really understand what those client needs are. And that will always be an effective North Star, and that will, will always lead you in the right direction. Welcome to the Marketing Innovators Podcast. This is the show for marketing innovators everywhere who want to push the boundaries of marketing and learn about cutting-edge strategies and channels that are working today. Join us each week to hear from industry-leading marketers as they share best practices and what is working for them. This episode is brought to you by TubeWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TubeWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at tubeweb.ca. Welcome to the Marketing Innovators Podcast. Today, we have a very, very exciting guest, Aileen Nandy, who has worked for a number of major global and North American brands, including Mattel, Parents Magazine, and Audiobooks.com. She's currently the Director of Marketing at Climb.ca, where she's led a total product and marketing transformation into an ethical credit rebuilding company with a laser focus on their top performing customer segment. Aileen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. So Aileen, you have an interesting background and obviously you're working in a very sensitive and also a very important industry. Would love to know a little bit more about your backstory and how you ended up uh, here at Climb.ca. Sure. So I joined Climb about two years ago and had just come off working on a digital transformation at a large healthcare company, which was a totally new industry for me. And that kind of the section of digital transformation that I was working on had kind of wound down. And I was looking for my next opportunity. And it was a friend who introduced me to the man who's now CEO of Climb. At that time, he was the chief operating officer. And he was looking for somebody who could really drive a new vision of growth for the company. The company, although it, it looked and acted like a startup then, we still look and act like a startup two years down the road, but we had actually been around since 2012. And at that time, Climb had gotten quite far from its roots of working specifically with people who had gone through a process called a consumer proposal, which is a form of insolvency specific to Canada. And so Climb had really broadened out the net of people they were talking to and broadened out the, the range of solutions they thought they could support for people who were looking to improve their credit. And he was really, they were looking for somebody who could come in and, and give a clear-eyed view of not only were the current marketing operations working, but did the current marketing operations actually ladder up to a meaningful product offering? So we spent about six months to a year like working across a real data-driven process of a strategic deep dive on what wasn't working at the time and how can we find our way back to something that did make more sense as a product, like figure out what a real solution was that could actually help the clients who were coming through our door and then work back from there to align the marketing activities. Interesting. So who would be your target audience? You know, obviously, because you I see a key part of, uh, of your marketing to be educating your audience about some of the principles of credit and what impacts credit and how they can actually rebuild credit. So, you know, obviously, people and business owners, I'm assuming, that are actually looking to rebuild credit in some way or form. So if you can maybe shed some light on who the top target audiences are, that would be helpful. Yeah. And one of the things that was really helpful as we went through that strategic repositioning was being willing to be incredibly ruthless about our customer targeting. 
so incredibly strict and narrow and really tough on ourselves and really holding ourselves accountable for all of our activities that they were lining up very specifically with a need that we knew for sure existed within that target customer demographic. So rather than anybody who's looking to learn about credit and anybody who is looking to improve their credit, which when we were marketing to that broader group, we found People, A, were quite often looking for a quick win because they had something like a mortgage renewal that was just around the corner. They were urgently looking for a new apartment and knew they were getting a credit check. Like a lot of people who were in that like immediate fast turnaround frame of mind, which unfortunately is not how credit histories and credit scores work. Credit scores are a reflection of consistent reporting over time. So what we found when we looked at who we were best able to help and who was our most qualified segment of leads, it was people who had mentally decided that they had hit rock bottom and mentally made the choice that they were going to adopt a new and different set of habits so that they could establish a better credit outcome for themselves. So instead of looking for kind of a crash diet to fix their credit, they were people who were looking for that lifestyle change. And we're willing to kind of take that on and commit to a longer term plan. And so what we found was a great way to get to people who were in that mindset, because it's very hard to figure out, like, what do you say in a PPC ad or what do you say in a social media post that will get to that person in that mindset? We found that by zeroing in on people who had gone through this specific form of insolvency called a consumer proposal, which takes five years to to work through the process and come out the other side fully performed, we found by targeting that audience, A, it's a much less competitive audience to market to because they typically are going to be less inclined to sign up for these kind of quick win, silver bullet type credit products. And, And many of the high interest lenders will automatically disqualify people who have any insolvency on their bureau. So Nobody's competing for this audience. Well, on the other hand, they are willing to take the long-term view and take that series of steps over time to really make those responsible choices, which we, as an ethical credit rebuilding company, that's what we want to be seeing from our clients, which we can then make sure is accurately reported on their credit bureau to, to build up that higher credit score over time. There is no quick fix to this. I mean, it takes time. There's a bit of a process and Also, a lot of people are not very aware of what that process looks like. So I think that's a key area that you help your customers on. And just even the education piece, it is a matter of credit scores, plural. It's not like, I know we all use Google as the the term for all browsers and all search engines everywhere, but it's a bit like search engines where the same set of data or the same set of variables are going to get you a different outcome in Bing versus what you're going to see in Google versus what you're going to see in Safari. And it's the same thing with TransUnion and Equifax having their various credit scoring models that go back many years that you just, if there's a particular person or institution that's going to be checking your credit, they're going to be seeing a different number depending on what credit scoring model they're using. So it's about building that better history because you can't guarantee that the same data set is going to get you a 680 here, it's going to get you a 680 over there. If anything, there's a guarantee that they probably won't match. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, what kind of marketing has really worked for Climb over the years? 
So doing this, we're just going to tell people how great we are at helping them understand what's wrong on their credit bureau that's contributing to a lower credit score that we found was really unsuccessful because when we got people in, even though we would give them like the most stellar 24 karat gold advice, like you need to get this collection item cleared up. You then need to make sure you have this number of accounts that are giving you a positive payment history and you need to have a clean payment history for, you know, one to two years. And people would say like, oh, well, I don't have two years. Like my mortgage is coming up in six months or I need to get a car loan like next week. And so we're like, we definitely can't help you with that. And where we did find we could be helpful is in this customer uh, consumer proposal segment. Of course, you know, you can't run digital advertising based on what you think a person's financial or credit situation might be. That is a, a very explicitly against all the rules that anywhere that would be worth it to advertise. So what we have actually done is adopt a B to B to C model where we're going out and we're finding partners, people who are called licensed insolvency trustees. So this is a regulated industry and anybody who goes through an insolvency needs to work with an LIT as they're known. So working with LITs and really building up how much education and how ethical we are and telling them about how we have uh, a corporate goal of getting to 0% NSFs within the next two years. All these things that really prove to these LITs and these trustees, as well as at times unlicensed debt consultants who might be working with people who have gone through insolvency and really just building up our credibility so they know that they can trust us, that we're not going to lead their clients astray and getting referrals from them. Of course, because the way that the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act is written, it is explicitly against the rules for them to receive any kind of commission or pay for leads. So we don't pay them anything for leads. What we can offer them is operational efficiency. So that's a big part of my job is building this case and building this credibility that by partnering with us, by referring clients to us, their clients are going to get a great outcome. Their, their clients are going to get the, the education that they need to make good choices to rebuild their credit. And it's going to save the, the trustee themselves and it's going to save the trustee's office staff a lot of time. So over the course of these five years, as a person goes through a consumer proposal, when they have questions and they have credit needs, it takes time to make sure that you're matching somebody with the right product. And it, it takes time to work through and understand what their budget looks like so that you can make sure that you're matching them to something that they can afford. And so to be able to alleviate that stress and alleviate that resource need without compromising on customer service, that is essentially our pitch to these partners. And Happy to say they've been quite receptive so far. We've built up a pilot program with one major national firm and, and then another more entrepreneurial firm. And we're seeing really good outcomes, both in terms of the client satisfaction, the trustees and their teams feeling that that strain alleviated, especially in these times. I think we're all being expected to do a lot more with less in terms of getting our jobs done. So the fact that the teams are able to Rather than somebody comes with a question about who should I go with for a secured credit card or, or what kind of credit card can I qualify for, rather than that being a half hour, 45 minute follow up call that they have to have, 
they can just quickly reply and say, oh, we have a, a partner who actually gives great advice on what are the best credit building tools to use while you're in consumer proposal. Here's the link. Click this link and you'll be opted into their newsletter series and somebody will reach out about a credit consultation. So those partnerships have played a pivotal role in obviously referring more business to Climb and also created a strategic uh, direction for Climb so that the partners can actually service their clients more effectively. I guess from a marketing perspective, how do you actually attract those partners to Climb so that they can actually do business with you? I know the title of this is Marketing Innovators Podcast. I'm sorry, this is a very not innovative tactic that I'm using, but we have leaned really heavily on LinkedIn and we've really been building up the profile of our CEO, Ryan Watt, who is a great guy, so knowledgeable, such a great partner, both as our marketing partner that is so game to do things like, hey, Ryan, can I add 500 new LinkedIn connections to you over the next week. Oh yeah, sure. That sounds great. And just open up those conversations as well. It's the similar principle as what works with our B2B to C strategy, which is the same way that because the trustee and the trustee's office staff and the clients have such strong trust together that when we are introduced by that trustee or by that office teammate, we pair, were parachuted quite high into the engagement funnel or quite low into the engagement funnel, like with a high level of engagement. We do have some really great high level partners who we have relationships with who have facilitated the introductions with the trustee firms where I've had meetings with people who said, you know, if we hadn't been introduced by the person we were introduced by, I would never have given you the time of day because I just would have assumed anybody who's trying to market to people in consumer proposal, anybody who's offering any product to a subprime market, I just assume that they're sketchy. Like it's so widespread. There's always a catch. There's always fine print. And so I, I trust the person who introduced us. I'm going to trust that they wouldn't be talking to you, let alone introducing you around. But now that you're in the room, you really have to make the case. Like you really need to live up to this conferred trust. Well, I mean, I think it's obviously it's a very highly regulated industry. And, you know, even when it comes to online advertising, I know that when it comes to pay-per-click or any promotion online, there are so many different barriers that you have to come across. So when it comes to really promoting yourself out there and using some of these channels, you know, obviously LinkedIn has, has proven to be a, a great asset for Climb, but utilizing any other campaigns or any other channels, have you noticed any restrictions that are obviously challenging to overcome? Or are you finding that there are certain means that you can utilize to leverage your business? Oh, it's really challenging because there are a lot of very explicit rules around credit repair in Canada. And I will say we don't do credit repair. That's not in any way, anything that we operate within, what we do is we review people's credit reports and then empower them with the tools to say, here's the phone number and, and here's what you ask for and make sure that they understand what are the things that are holding them back and make sure that they understand what those steps are to address. It might be gaps on their credit report or it might be negatives that are suppressing their credit score potential. And so there are times when we get kind of misidentified as a credit repair agency, which we are not. So that causes issues. So all of our pages on the footer 
Climb is not a credit repair agency. That is not a service that we offer. We would never pretend that we do that. And then any kind of targeting on financial, like anytime we are putting out an ad that makes it sound like we are targeting based on financial situation or credit situation, those are all no-goes. So our targeting is, it is what it is. It's, it's based on what demographic markers we can see have indicated success in the past. And remarketing is a big one. So the people who come to our site through our content marketing efforts on Facebook and Instagram, making sure that we follow up with those people and we follow those people across the internet as best we can is, is really effective. That's interesting. You know, I was actually just looking at the website and, uh, you know, you have the Climb Accelerator Plan, which is kind of like an intake form that you kind of go through and basically help create awareness about how users can rebuild their credit. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Is that, I mean, is that, I see that there's a landing page here on the website that allows you to get some leads. Uh, how effective is that strategy? It's fairly effective. I would say we, we've gotten it down to a reasonably performing optimization for both Google and Bing. We did turn off our paid Facebook because we just found the lead quality was, was not great. Like the cost of leads was amazing, but the lead quality when it came to actual conversions, it just didn't pan out across the, the full scope of the funnel. Our business has never been challenged in terms of leads. It's a question of, are those leads going to actually be interested in, and in a stage where they're ready to commit to the, the type of program that we offer? And do we genuinely think that they're going to benefit from the program? Because that is a really important component of our lead qualifying and screening process. So we don't take money from anybody. We don't sign anybody up to any product without a human conversation at this stage. So part of my job as well is figuring out across that customer journey and that lead cycle, how far can we take somebody with marketing automation tools, how best to nurture them so that we are only deploying our human contacts at a point where they're, the person's actually ready to talk and that we think they have a reasonable chance of conversion. And then my team's really amazing at getting to those qualifying questions really quickly to make sure that the person is is truly interested in what we have to offer uh, so is truly ready to make that lifestyle change or perhaps has already made that lifestyle change and now is looking for what are the supports that can be part of that lifestyle change going forward it seems that you know you're very very specific in the kind of customer that you are looking for so it's very you have to be laser focused it's just too expensive. Garbage customers are too expensive. No, thank you. That's not a great, like our customer lifetime value and our, our revenue per contract is so slim. Like we don't have, I would much rather front load that screening and make sure we're really only signing up people who are for sure going to get value, for sure going to understand the value and for sure can kind of play back anybody that they're talking to, whether that's a mortgage broker in the future, whether that's their spouse. When somebody asks them like, oh, well, why do you have this client product that they can confidently explain to the person like, oh, this is really useful to me because I'm seeing this outcome from it. I'm confident of how it works. I'm confident of what I'm paying for it. And I'm confident of the value that's coming. Because if, if they don't, they're just going to cancel. And then that's like a drain, like a such an operational drain. That's true. When it comes to the customer journey, obviously you have different screening processes in place to be able to make sure that you're 
targeting the right customer and qualifying them properly. How does that journey look like? I mean, is it fully automated, first of all, or do you find that there are some touch points where you have to engage with the lead and uh, independently and have a chat with them? Yeah. So I keep trying to push the point where we talk to the lead like further and further and further down the funnel because I just find it's not a good use of anybody's time if you have that conversation too high up. And, and it can actually be, I find, quite a deterrent for people in that early awareness and engagement phase because people don't typically want to talk on the phone in our experience unless they've already built some level of trust, unless they are a little bit more bonded and you and a little bit are seeing the point because people do value their own time and they're used to being able to run their whole lives through apps and texting and email. I found when we did a, a campaign and it was a campaign amongst our existing clients, just kind of sharing a new product that we had and that we thought would be fairly broadly relevant to them. And the difference between the SMS and email response rate was just like, it wasn't even funny. It was something like 5X the response for our SMS targets versus email. So thinking about that engagement level, it, it needs to be immediate. It needs to be right there. It needs to be something they can do with one thumb while they're doing 18 other things. So when you think about trying to get them on the phone too early, it's just like, forget about it. They're not interested. So we do tend to lead with SMS. So we have that lead form. We have a few variations of different lead intake forms on our website, depending on how somebody came to us. We also do a lot of newsletter nurture campaigns. Again, going back, like we don't want customers who don't know what they're signing up for. We want people to have a really informed perspective when they sign up with us. So across our newsletter nurture campaigns, we have a few different calls to action of reasons why you might need to or why you might want to talk to one of our credit consultants. And one of the things that I've really been challenged to do over the last year or so is really taking that credit consultation conversation and merchandising it more effectively because it's something that's been happening since before I joined the company but it was it was not really kind of central to the value prop that we were putting out to clients and partners which is a shame because we have amazing credit consultants who are fantastic at their jobs who I have learned so much from over the last 2 years who I continue to learn so much from where every time we do kind of a, a blind bureau review sometimes they'll just take me through like Here's a great success story and, and we'll block out the person's name, but they'll take me through, you know, the changes that the person made and, and this is the, the outcome they got so that I can build a bit of a case study around it. And taking their expertise and really merchandising it as central to our product offering has made a big difference. And so in that client journey, it's not just an SMS back and forth. It's like an SMS that's driving to them, booking a time committing to having, you know, half an hour in their schedule where they're going to sit somewhere quiet and really focus on the conversation because it's not a throwaway, you know, it's not just a sales call. It is really genuinely helpful credit advice. I love the fact that, you know, SMS has almost five times the response rate, as you mentioned, than email. I think that's quite significant. And a lot of businesses are quite not, if they're not utilizing SMS to its full potential, it is a very intrusive way to engage your prospect, but if you have a qualified prospect, you can actually have those actions performed quickly using SMS. 
Well, and this is the big debate now whenever we're doing any customer communication is we know we'll get a better response if we deliver the message through SMS. But we're also, if it's not something that's useful to that end client and they reply stop, we're closing that door for ourselves. So we really need to hold ourselves accountable. We need to be tough on ourselves and make sure if we're using SMS, we really believe it's something people are going to want to hear about. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Definitely want to value their time, you know, looking at that SMS. And I know that if they do respond back with stop, then they're very unlikely to contact you back or just ignore your future messages and maybe just drop off the list. But I love the fact that how laser focused you are with your specific target audience, because I know a lot of businesses, whenever a lead comes in, they rush to contact that lead and spend too much time with unqualified prospects and they don't realize the value that they're losing out on. And I think that's really a key piece where marketing automation can help businesses, you know, such as Climb and and many others to really screen out those qualified prospects over time and, and to score them in a way that their salespeople are spending the right amount of time with the right people that are interested. And with our salespeople, making sure that they have the right suite of downsells. So this is where building out our newsletter drip campaigns were really helpful because the people who were doing those those early follow-ups and that early engagement, they don't like putting people in the no pile. That it like is so antithetical to how they operate. They need putting people in the yes pile because that's what drives them. So here's the people who are ready to talk today. Here's your free quick newsletter campaign that you can take people through and then you follow up with them in four weeks. Here's your longer lead newsletter cycle that's going to take 10 to 12 weeks and then you follow up with them then. And then here's the people who we're going to have different campaigns, but they're going to go kind of back burner or side burner. With the regulations that you're facing in the industry, are you finding that platforms online are becoming more restrictive? when it comes to marketing? Or do you feel that there is a bit more leniency now moving forward? You know, your customers are looking for services, especially during COVID. I mean, there's a lot of people that have had their incomes impacted and they are looking for solutions to help rebuild their credit. Has that impacted your marketing in any way or form? So in terms of regulation, I would say it's been very consistent, not really looking for anything specific to our industry to get more restrictive in terms of content. I think it will continue to get more restrictive in terms of people's individual privacy, which I'm all for as a human being. That is really our main focus and why it's so much more helpful for us to focus on our B2B partnerships and relationships because we can really have the runway to build the trust and build the credibility when we have those B2B relationships. And really focusing and centering things firmly on content marketing, newsletters, being the people who show up consistently and who show up in a way that is ethical, making sure that we are really transparent in our business practices and and how we treat our clients. That's really where we're putting all of our eggs versus different audience modeling or targeting based on keywords and, and things. In terms of advertising and people looking to kind of hop on what they see as an emerging opportunity as this K-shaped recovery continues to trend, we're hearing of it more kind of in conversation with trustees and, and other insolvency professionals. 
we're hearing about it. I haven't seen anything personally directly that's too new or different. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there still who are, are looking for the opportunity to make a buck of what they say is a silver bullet to fix people's credit. I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think it's an important point. Often when you Google credit repair or credit rebuilding online, you know, you come across a lot of these companies that promise so much for so little. And you kind of get into this rabbit hole of all these different solutions that don't really serve as much, but they actually do more damage than good. And because Climb is really focused on ethical credit rebuilding and helping customers achieve that stage, how do you overcome that space of being in an industry that is somewhat tarnished, I would say, with other service providers? How do you actually separate yourself in that space? Well, this is where taking the time to really build up that credibility and, and really taking the time to build up the transparency of our business practices, of making sure that we can clearly and comprehensively explain to people how and why our business works. So I was talking to somebody at Equifax a couple of months ago and they were like, you seem really nice and you seem really honest, but your industry is like so sketchy. I don't understand like why I should trust you to be honest as much as you seem really nice. And I said, well, how about if I explain our business model like this? We are very inexpensive in terms of our pricing. So like we've kept our pricing really tight so that we make sure that we are not taking advantage of people who can't afford to pay. And at the same time, what enables us to have that very low cost to the end client is that we are focused in on a referral source that we actually can't pay directly. All that we can do is prove to them that we're behaving ethically. And if we step out of line anywhere, any way, we are going to turn off that referral source because no trustee would ever talk to us again. And so that is what keeps us honest that's baked into the business model. Like there's no stepping out of line that's an option within our business model. Because if we do anything that would kind of have any whiff of being inappropriate or ineffective or a bad deal for their client, the folks that we are working with value their client needs so highly, we would never see another lead from them again. And so that's kind of how I approach our business model, which is just being that explanation that like, we know that there is a need for trustees to gain this operational efficiency to meet these client questions when they come through the door. We know clients have questions about credit rebuilding because after they file for an insolvency, their credit score goes down about 100 points and it, it doesn't get better on its own. So to offer trustees a place to direct those client questions, we can only do that if the trustees have trust in us. And so that's a part of the, the focus on our B2B to C approach from marketing because you put two landing pages against each other, ours is not going to look significantly different than anybody else's. Everybody will have the same nice, shiny, very authentic, very trustworthy looking landing page. There's only so much you can do to distinguish yourself on that front. It's when you get into the real fine print, real cost to the client, and the fact that we are able to state those numbers very clearly to anybody who asks and, and that we hold ourselves accountable to make sure the client understands those numbers as part of the sign-up process. I just filmed a new webinar for a new trustee firm partner 
And part of that webinar was actually a transcript of a live credit consultation that had happened. I said, like, this is how comfortable we are in how we're treating your client. We are happy to have you listen in on the conversation that we have with them. Oh, that's a pretty bold uh, move. (laughs) It's necessary to build trust. We got to do what we got to do. We would 100% stand by the advice and the recommendations that we're giving in our credit consultations. That is amazing. I think that transparency and, uh, you know, allows you to build that credibility and trust over time, especially with the partners that you work with. I think you're definitely a savior when it comes to helping customers getting out of the vicious cycle of debt in some way or form. It's just, I can imagine. It's for those people who have made that decision to make that lifestyle choice. And so all the credit to them, they have done the hard thing. They are doing the hard work. We just want to step in and be a voice to help them figure out what are those responsible choices they can make going forward that are sustainable in the long term. Because, you know, you talk to some people who work in the insolvency industry who are so understandably jaded, but still are so jaded by seeing their clients having gone through the ringer that they end up saying, you know, nobody should use any credit product when they're in a consumer proposal. I mean, can you imagine just like not touching a credit card for five years. There are some people who could do it for sure. But in terms of a a realistic lifestyle to expect many people to be able to stick to, it's it's not realistic to what I've seen. Well, Eileen, you know, if you could go back, let's say five or 10 years, what advice would you give to your younger self? I would say a big one is to continue to invest in yourself and continue to invest in professional development. I am somebody who's always had a passion for learning on the job. It's what brought me into, I think most of us who are in marketing and especially in digital marketing, we tend to be people who love to learn on the job, who tend to love to to hear about a new project and say, I've never done that before. Let me add it. Sign me up. Let me lead. Let me do it. Let me get in there. And so I, I certainly, every job that I went into, I always was going into it really excited about the things I could learn when I was there. But to see the other side of, you know, it's one thing to learn something on the job and it's great to, you know, have the bonus of getting paid to learn something that you're interested in, but also like take the time and space to do the professional development courses and and perhaps to do courses outside of, of what you're being exposed to in your day job. Because I do feel like looking back there, there are things that I wish I had developed deeper expertise in earlier. Interesting. So, I mean, obviously you've had an interesting professional career and, uh, you know, uh, you've worked at Mattel for a little while as well. So can you maybe just highlight a little bit about uh, your experience there, what you were responsible for and how you help your company? Sure. So I was the one and only digital employee. I was the the person who was there to be like the in-house digital consultant for all of these brands for the Canadian office. So working on Barbie one day, Hot Wheels another day, Fisher Price the next day, it was really amazing. It was a very exciting time to be at Mattel because they were going through a global digital transformation. So it was tremendously satisfying. One of my favorite things to be able to do in a job is to act as a bit of a translator between the people who are kind of like high intensity digital or highly technical and the people who are like just trying to get their job done. And why are people trying to jam the newest, latest social media fad down their throat? Like, why can't they just do it the way they've always done it? 
I love being able to come in and be a connector between those two groups. And so I've worked on a, a couple of digital transformations and Mattel was a really great one because we had such an interesting and diverse global group of digital leaders. So to be able to go out to LA and be talking to people from Hong Kong, from Europe, as well as from the US office, and to be able to sit at the table and, and speak to Canada's interests and say, okay, well, in the Canadian market, here's how that would play. And here's where the challenges would be to operationalize this strategy. And, and here's what would actually be really helpful for us in order to make sure that we're maintaining and growing our market share. That was great, but all good things come to an end. And there, there came time for a, a restructure and for a new opportunity for me. That's wonderful. I think that, you know, every company deals with digital transformation differently in some ways. You know, obviously there's a, a very different culture in Mattel than what you have there at Climb. You know, it's interesting to kind of see your transition from one company to another. Do you feel that you've uh, learned some trades, some technology, and have you built your assets over time as you transition into Climb? Absolutely. So, I mean, I went into Mattel and I felt like, oh, why am I doing this? This is such a very staid, very corporate, very traditional CPG, consumer packaged good company. Like, this is not, why am I doing this? This is such a, a difference from my background. But talking about learning on the job, I was really excited to be exposed to a company where I felt like I would get a lot more sense of that polish and the, the kind of the, the broader global, because I had been very focused in North America up to that point. And so being able to see that big picture and to get honestly a lot better at PowerPoint, because that was the way that people communicated with each other at that organization. And, and it was something that was new to me because I had been in a very digital world up to that point. I would say it did a lot for my presentation skills and it did a lot for my kind of PowerPoint and communicating professionally versus that more digital play. Based on your experience and your journey and the challenges that you've overcome, if there was one big takeaway that you could give to our listeners, what would that be? So one big takeaway, I think it's to start with the client, just always start with the client, whoever your client is, whether that's the end user, whether that's a partner, whether that's a, an internal collaborator who you're working with, figuring out who your client or clients are, and just taking the time before you start doing to really listen to them, really understand what those client needs are. And that will always be an effective North Star. And that will, will always lead you in the right direction. Excellent. Aileen, it's been a pleasure to have you here on the show. And if any one of our listeners want, want to reach you or they want to contact you, how can they actually uh, connect with you? So they can find me on LinkedIn, Aileen Nandy. Sorry, I didn't put my last name there. Or come to the, the CLIMB website and, and submitting a, a question through the, the contact form. That will always end up finding its way to me. That's wonderful. I'll definitely make sure that we include the links to your profile as well as uh, the website. And I certainly wish you the best of success in your journey. And I would encourage you to keep in touch. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Innovators Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast. And remember to share this episode with your network. As we mentioned, this episode is brought to you by 2Web. We help your business thrive online. 
Learn more by visiting our website at 2web.ca.